Jesus Christ and the saving grace of God in him are the central themes of the Bible. Any way of interpreting scripture which misses its consistent Christ-centeredness must be judged erroneous. Amen. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? This is the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday morning with us here on News Radio 930 WFMD, also on the FM at 99.9 HD2, and on the World Wide Web, of course, at WFMD.com. If you'd like to connect with the show, with me personally, or with Imran Razvi, or Daniel Razvi, or David Forsey personally, go to householdoffaithinchrist.com, contact me, and um, and if you're contacting me, then that's simple enough. If you're trying to contact them, I'll put you in touch with them. Because the, they, they although you probably could get contact information at conqueredbylove.org as well, right? You have a way yes. to reach you guys on that. That's the uh, ministry of the Razvies have, conqueredbylove.org, uh, uh, family, uh, uh, matters, parenting, marriage, those kinds of things is really the, the, the core of what they focus on there, and they've got some good materials for you. I encourage you to check that out. So we're working our way through the um, 1982 Chicago Statement on Biblical Hermeneutics, and this will probably be the final show on this subject matter before we transition to something else next week because we're heading down the home stretch here. And what I read at the beginning uh, was uh, like pretty much like on the second to last page of what, what do they call this portion again? The exposition. They have a section of that's basically explaining why they did what they did, why they said what they said, why they think what they think. This is kind of fleshing that out, giving you some background in, into, their, into, their, mm-hmm. into their brain and how it's wired. Um, it should go without saying what I read at the start of the show, but it needs to be said, which is why they said it here and which is why I said it at the start of the show. Jesus Christ and the saving grace of God in him are the central themes of the Bible. Any way of interpreting Scripture which misses its consistent Christ-centeredness must be judged erroneous. So when, <laughs> uh, when the people of God in the Old Testament, who, who lived then, uh, when they were hearing the Word of God, were they misinterpreting it if they were not thinking uh, that this was about Jesus? Yes, and in fact, it says, it says for example, <laughs> okay. earlier. How, how so, though, right? Because right. Well, it's, it's, before it actually goes into that specifically a couple sentences earlier, right? It says, Old Testament believers, well, let's, let's say, the office, uh, it's worth going through, actually. The types and prophecies in the Old Testament anticipated his coming, his atoning death, his resurrection, his reign, and his return. The office and ministry of priests, prophets, and kings, the divinely instituted ritual and sacrificial offerings, and the patterns of redemptive action in Old Testament history all had typical significance as foreshadowings of Jesus. Old Testament believers looked forward to his coming and lived and were saved by faith, which had Christ and his kingdom in view. Just as Christians today are saved by faith in Christ the Savior, who died for our sins and now lives and reigns and will one day return. Um... That the, that the church and kingdom of Christ uh, are, are central to the plan of God, which Scripture reveals, is not open to question, though opinions are divided as to the precise way in which church and kingdom relate to each other. So, so I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, I guess my question is, right, in the Old Testament, what, how is it that believers thought of and rightly, what, what was in their minds that allowed them to rightly interpret I think scripture. they recognize that only God forgives and only God can save okay. and that he will be providing salvation in, in some manner. I don't think they necessarily had all of the pieces in, in, of the yeah. puzzle. 
they didn't maybe know that uh, how Jesus was going to live and die and res- resurrect, or they had pieces of it, but they were they understood that the sacrifices never atoned for any sins. They're just you know symbols. Yeah, I I think it's in good. Right? I mean, they were looking for the Messiah and the Savior, mm-hmm. so they recognized that they needed that, and some are still looking for the Messiah and the Savior, and they missed it. Um, so. You know, what do you say about those? Are, are they living by faith because they, they didn't recognize the coming? Right, yeah. We actually did a show on that recently. Uh, rather contentious show, as I recall. It was a fun one. Uh, I, I, think th- I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think part of the answer is in, in the name, right, in Jesus' name, right, which means God saves. And so right in the Old Testament, his, the, the people of God interpreted his word and it can through, be- through the rubric of, God saves. Absolutely. And it can be helpful to understand uh, for the uninitiated that Messiah and Christ are the same word, just in different languages. Mm-hmm. So Christ is the, you know, the, the English version of the Greek. You know, Messiah is from the Hebrew. They're both talking about the anointed, the Savior, the one who's to come. Um, so uh, if you read Messiah in, in one part of the Bible and you read Christ in another part of the Bible, it's talking about the exact same thing, just using a different language. I think that can help to, to clear that up for some, some folks. Yeah. And, and also to, you know, the understanding that, uh, um, the anointed ones in the old Testament were, and this is sort of what it was saying here and what you read, Daniel, like we're, we're priests and prophets and Kings, right. We're, uh, had all the authority, right. Had the ability to, bring God to man and to, you know, bring man before God. Yeah. All right. The next section, we're heading down the home stretch here. Uh, this is in the uh, subheading, Biblical and Extra-Biblical Knowledge. Uh, a portion of this paragraph says, God, the author of all Scripture, is also the Lord of all facts. There can, in principle, be no contradiction between a right understanding of what Scripture says and a right account of any reality or event in the created order. This was talked about in the articles themselves, so we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but is there anything else you wanted to say to to flesh that out? I mean, all truth is God's truth is kind of what this is saying, right? And, and (laughs) And it says what to do if you find such a contradiction. It says any appearance of contradiction would argue misunderstanding or inadequate knowledge either of what scripture really affirms or what the extra biblical facts really are thus it would be a summons to reassessment and further scholarly inquiry inquiry so if you find uh if you find a verse in the bible that says um the sky is red and you look up and the sky appears blue well either your eyes are not seeing the sky correctly or you didn't really understand what the bible said maybe red means blue or so- something is 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 incorrect in your understanding, but it's not God because God doesn't make mistakes. That's what they're trying to say. That's the takeaway. If you see an error, that's you. That's on you. That's not God's error. We're all good on that one. Should I? Yeah. I, well, I, I think it's. I mean, I think it's a point worth talking about in in the day and age where, um, and this has always been the case, I guess. But we we think very highly of uh, tend to think very highly of of experts and. And thus we think very highly so of... So-called experts. Right. And, and the, you know, thus we think very highly of the abilities of, of mankind and the, the mind of man. And, and so... And rational thought. Yeah. And the, so there's a, yeah, there's a great temptation in today to, um, yeah, for a, a great pride, you know, and hubris to think that, uh, 
man can somehow uh, out, outthink, overthink God. Yeah, the, it's okay to say, I don't know, sometimes. Yeah, and the challenge, to, echoing your point that we're really facing today with this, you know, I call it the credentialed class. You know, if they've got credentials behind their name or some fancy diploma on their wall, oh, they must know what they're talking about. But you have to understand the, the environment within which so many of these people earned their credentials. They didn't learn truth, facts, you know, actual history. They learned alchemy. <laughs> you know, it's like it, 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 everything's a fabrication. They, it, 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 they learn things that aren't real. And we're living that now. When you, you, you ever ask yourself, you know, listener, you ever ask yourself, nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing's real. It started out years ago with the, 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 the slogan, fake news. But now it's fake everything. Right? It's virtual reality, augmented reality. Nothing's real anymore. Everything's photoshopped. You got these deep fakes that they can do. They can make people say and do whatever they want in a video now. Uh, there are people speculating the balloon thing that went across the country from China. Is it really a balloon? Maybe it's a, some sort of this or that. I don't. And you you question everything because everything's been made to be untrue and, and, and flipped on its head, inside out, upside down. And so these so-called experts, they're they're experts in things that aren't real. And, well, what kind of expertise is that? And, and for some reason, we're really excited about artificial intelligence yeah yeah and this this chat gpt thing or whatever everybody's been talking about lately where it's this artificial intelligence i, I got to find a better term yeah uh, anybody who's been listening for any length of time knows how important i find the language wars i, I uh other than in times like this where i have to explain what i'm meaning by by language wars i don't use the word racist I don't, just, I don't refer to the, the human races. There's one human race. I don't use that language and because I, I feel like if I use that language, I've surrendered the argument before it even began. That, you know, it's just a question of, you know, where on the, on the wrong scale am I going to be? Am I going to be as wrong as you or less wrong than you? No, I don't, I don't want to be less wrong. I want to be right. And artificial, there's no artificial intelligence. It's not intelligent. It's basically what, what's passing for artificial intelligence with this chat GPT. I think that's what it's called, GPT thing, right? I think that's what it's called. Yes. All it is is a supersized, really fast um, uh, search engine. That's all it is. It's just a search engine. And it's taking all these little pieces from the Internet and putting them together and presenting them. It's then programmed by actual intelligence. People who have intelligence have programmed this thing. That's the intelligence. They have actual intelligence. The machine is not artificially intelligent. It's not intelligent. Yep. It's programmed. It's a machine. So don't don't look for your <laughs> biblical answers using a search engine. Yeah, because I mean, it's only as good as what the programmers put in there, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And I don't know what a better word's going to be for art, for AI, but I'm I, I, I'm I'm doggedly determined i'm going to find a phrase that i can whether anybody else will join me in that i don't know but i'm going to find a phrase i can use instead of that well that makes uh, sense. I, yeah and part of the problem is maybe celebrating artificial you know saying that that's somehow i think good. there's a fancy word for that sumerlacra i think it's called where the where the fake becomes the real artificial wannabe intelligence Wannabe. Wannabe. <laughs> but, you know, there's this, there's, I, maybe I even said it on this show, because I said it not too long ago, it might have been in the concept of the show where, you know, the guy grows the strawberries that ring any bells. 
The guy grew, and he builds his empire. I'm going to give you the really short version then in case I have said it before on the show. So this guy builds an empire based on strawberries. He's a really good farmer. He makes like the world's best strawberries and some traveler through town's like, hey, you make really good strawberries. We should market these. And any one, one thing leads to another before you know it, they got strawberry tarts and strawberry uh, soda and strawberry, you know, uh, ice cream, and all these different things. Well, then fast forward several decades and now this guy's you know the 90 years old and he's taking his great great grandson on hey you want to see where it all began he takes him out to the field to eat a strawberry and he said this is this is where it all started uh, grandson or great grandson would you like to tr taste the the real strawberries and the guy's oh yeah this is a kid who grew up on strawberry ice cream, strawberry soda, strawberry flavorings, right? All the things that were extracted from the real strawberry. He eats a strawberry and he spits it out. It's disgusting. He goes, what is this? Goes, it's a strawberry. This isn't a strawberry. The fake replaced the real. And people think the fake is real. I think it's called sumer lacros. Sumer lacros, super lacros, some, some, some fancy word like that. That's the world we live in now. And these so-called experts, that's what they're experts in. They're experts in fake. Right? The, you got everybody's got the. I mean, look at the runaway. Even forget the 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 airbrushing and all that in real life. I mean, do you see what happened to Madonna? She looks like a real life Muppet now. All the plastic surgery she's had. I mean, it's not good. But that's trying to look like Michael Jackson, right? Poster boy for that kind of a problem, right? People they're chasing something that's ideal, that's not real, and it's disgusting. At the end of the game, it's disgusting. Right. And these are so we have people that are experts, so-called, in disgusting things. Don't follow them. All right. I think I mean, I think that's <laughs> that's very applicable to right the discussion on biblical interpretation. Right. Is having some it. We should go to scripture so that our ideals and our understanding of reality can be shaped uh, rather than, you know, Try, yeah, coming coming up with our own ideas of what is what is good and true and and beautiful, and then contorting scripture to that, because then we end up with something, you know, ugly and that doesn't make sense. And yeah, there's there's reality that's based in scripture, or there's whims of culture, and that's mm -hmm. really what we're living by these days. It's whims of culture. It's whatever the whim is, and the wherever the wind blows, and you're going in that direction, which is absolute craziness. Which e even just a few years ago. Um, it was treated as mental illness, and because there is no biblical truth left in this world, and that's where that's where we're talking about this. This is where the truth is. Is where it began. This is where it ends. And so, so long as you have this foundation, you have an anchor. Without it, you're floating on on waves that have you, know, you capsize easily. There's nothing protecting you. And and the, right, this is the this is the original temptation that we see. Right? Is did did God really say that? You know, is that really what God meant, right? That's that's the the devil leading, and, leading mankind. And we should sin. actually ask that question of those that are telling us that God said certain things. I think we need to be Bereans, you know, from the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And we need to test if somebody's saying something, did God really say? Like there's a, a righteous way to be thinking about that mm -hmm. question, not to challenge. Because the problem we've had over the last, you know, three or four or five years, uh, it's, I mean, it's been a problem longer, but it's really been a problem last, let's say, five years in the church, is this false gospel, the social justice gospel, which is no gospel at all. And we've got a bunch of people out there, high profile even, putting out the, this is the gospel. You know, the gospel is feeding the poor. No, it's not. <laughs> the biblical teaching would tell us we should help to take care of the poor, but that's not the gospel. Right. 
And so, we, so we've got these things that are fraudulent. They're fake. They're not real. So the fake gospel becomes the real gospel, in, uh, so-called, in all of these churches. And you've got a bunch of Christians who don't know what the gospel is. I'm telling you, as a, as a, if you actually know what the gospel is, go out and talk to, to people and say, hey, by the way, are you a Christian? You know, you're a Christian, right? Where, you go to church? If somebody were to say, what's the gospel? What would you say? I promise you 90% of them cannot give you a, a biblical answer to that question. You're a Christian, right? What's the gospel? Uh, being a good person. Uh, feeding the poor. Uh, fighting for justice. No. None of those things are the gospel. We're, we're horrible at this. So, Troy, just for the listeners, can you please, in like one sentence, what is the gospel? <laughs> <laughs> well, David alluded to it earlier. You can, you, can do the, you can do the gospel in one word, Jesus. You could expand that into two words, God saves, which is what Jesus means. You could, if you could personally apply it in three words and say, God saved me. Um, but there are, there are basically five major aspects to a full understanding of the gospel. One is we have a creator who made humankind in his image, and that makes us special, makes each and every one of us valuable. That's why murder is so heinous. That's why abortion is such a blight on our, our culture today. So we have a creator who made us special, and that's where a lot of people stop. <laughs> but the next phase in understanding the gospel is it didn't stay that way because of original sin, Adam and Eve's sin. So we're all stained by their sin. We, and if you don't believe that you're stained by the original sin, okay, let me just ask you about your record. Did you, know, you ever curse somebody out? Did you ever steal something? Did you ever tell a lie? Did you ever think lustful thoughts? So even if you don't want to buy into original sin, you're a sinner. So you've been made special, but you've screwed that up. Uh, with sin. So what do you do? you got a problem. Well, the problem is solved at the cross with Jesus Christ. He pays a penalty you should be paying, uh, and he gives you his righteous record. He doesn't just clear the slate. Uh, he, he takes your horrible record upon himself and gives you his perfect obedient record. That's what's happening uh, in the gospel narratives. And then out of gratitude, we want to take care of the poor, fight for justice, <laughs> right? So we want to do things in response to the gospel. And as we await... Christ's return, where we will join him in glory, where there will no longer be any sin and no more injustice and no more poverty and any of those kinds of things. So we have a creator, but we're sinners, but fortunately we have a, a rescuer, a savior in Christ. Out of gratitude, we want to live increasingly holy lives. It's called, big fancy word, sanctification. We want to uh, increase in our sanctification. And then ultimately we're glorified in heaven, well, a renewed heaven and earth kind of thing forever with Christ. That, that is the gospel. Now, following the law, that's in the Bible, but the law is not the gospel. You know, what we should do out of obedience to God is, is in the Bible, and it's important, but it's not the gospel. And so we, if we don't get that right, you end up with, uh, with moralism. And moralism is not the gospel. We're not saved by the law. We're condemned by the law. So we, we, we can't get that wrong or we've lost everything. We lost the whole game. All right, well, we've got to hurry up, but we're not going to get through this. <laughs> Got basically two small sections left. This is from the biblical statements on natural uh, and natural science portion. What the Bible says about the facts of nature is uh, as trustworthy, uh, as true and trustworthy as anything else it says. However, it speaks of natural phenomena as they are spoken of in ordinary language, not in the uh, explanatory technical terms of modern science, which doesn't exist. We now live in the world of postmodern science. But anyway. Um, <laughs> this is the 80s, after all. Yeah, this is back in the 80s. <laughs> That's true. So this is taking, like, talking about the sunrise, right? We, we you know, uh, 
we could argue whether that's right. scientifically true or not, but if you accept the idea of a uh, helocentric <laughs> solar yeah. system. The sun's not actually rising, but we say sunrise, and even astronomers today will use the term sunrise, even though they don't believe it rising, rising either. Right. So you can't put, that's, pin that's that on God. because that's saying, what it looks like when you, <laughs> exactly. you watch it happen from yeah, our exactly. perspective. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and, and that's why. I mean, so, so you can't sit there and say, see, God called it a sunrise. He doesn't know the Earth's... No. <laughs> it, it, astronomers say sunrise, too. It's just a figure of speech. Right, right. Um, so... Yeah, uh, so I don't know if there's a whole lot more to be said about that. We actually talked about that before as well. Yeah. Uh, scripture was given to reveal God, not to address scientific issues. Scripture interprets scientific knowledge. Um, uh, I guess I'll just stop with that point. So there is things related to science in the Bible, but it's not primarily a science textbook. That's not its right. main aim. But when it makes a scientific claim or, or there's some truth that would have a scientific application, we can trust that. But it's not trying to tell us, like, how many capillaries on average are in the typical human being. You know, it's, it's, it's not right. answering that question. I'm not sure that science is trying to answer that question either. <laughs> <laughs> Some scientist somewhere is trying to answer the question. Right. So, and then the last section I wanted to touch on out of this is from the norm and culture in the biblical revelation. Uh, not all biblical teaching about conduct is normative for behavior today. Some applications of moral principles are restricted to a limited audience. Only when this distinction is drawn can we hope to see how the same absolute truths apply to us in our own culture. Now, this this could be a whole show probably talk because there's a lot of disagreement within the, the body of Christ on room. that question. And even, even yeah, probably, probably in this room. Uh, but I think as a general rule, uh, I think everybody in this room would probably agree that there is a, a, a cultural contextualization that should at least be thought through to see how we would apply things in our context today, right? Like if the Bible tells you to gird up your loins, well, we don't wear the kind of clothing that uh, needs to be girded up. And so we figure, okay, so how do we apply that sort of a phrase in our culture today? So even as something as simple as that, I think we would, would at least agree there. I think the question is where to draw the line of which things should should not be contextualized so much. Right. Uh, well, I, I think, yeah, definitely there are specific commands in Scripture that are given to a person, and it's very clear it was only given to that person. You know, we're not all required to go march around Jericho seven times like Joshua was, right? Joshua was the one that fought the battle of Jericho um, because it was very specific to Joshua, right? But then there's a verse that says, thou shalt not kill, and that definitely applies to everybody. Um and I think probably the disagreement would just be where you draw the line. You know, some people would draw it on more broadly or more narrowly. But um, certainly there are specific commands given that are only for one person or group at a, in that time period. Sure. All right. Yeah. So, so we did it. We made it through the, uh, the hermeneutics thing. The thing I was going to mention last week that slipped my mind, uh, Daniel made the point about how languages change and that sort of thing. If you want to see how true it is that languages can become dead over time, like the, the original versions of languages, how they just fall into a different kind of a usage, try to read Beowulf. Hmm. It's English. Okay, yeah, right, it's English. <laughs> you know, that's a really good... Even Pilgrim's Progress can be challenging. But Beowulf, I mean, just something like that. Wait another few hundred years, assuming Christ doesn't return in the meantime, and try to read Shakespeare. It, 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 it changes, uh, and so, the, the, so English continues to exist, but it, it morphs so much over time that the older English is now dead. And so, yeah, Hebrew still exists, but the Hebrew from 
many thousands of years ago, that version is basically dead except for those that specialize in studying that as, as a particular specialist's discipline. So it's not dead in that regard, but as far as general usage, you, you go to the Middle East today, they're not speaking the Hebrew of Exodus. They're, ju they're just not. And same with Greek, the Koine Greek. That's not, if you go to Greece today, they're not going to be speaking Koine Greek. You know, they probably could have us take a stab at understanding the New Testament. If you gave them a Greek New Testament, they could probably do pretty well, about as well as we would do with reading Beowulf, probably, is what, my, <laughs> what I would expect. Anyway, so we're going to wrap up the show. I've got about 30 seconds left, so uh, this was fun. We're going to transition into something else, at least for a week uh, next week, before we uh, d tackle some additional uh, statements from the church in, in recent decades. Uh, stay tuned to find out what that is next week. Uh, Daniel Razvi, Imran Razvi, David Forsey, thank you so much. I'm Troy Skinner. Thank you for listening, spending part of your Sunday with us here at 930 WFMD. And, um, the Faith Debate, and find us online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. That's householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from now, God bless.